that are traveling. Well, this morning we're going to talk about the staggering cost of freedom. I'm going to start with a little tribute, if you will, to those who have gone before, and then we'll get into the Word of God. So let's, uh, let's take your Bibles to start with. I always like to start with Scripture, and then we'll spend a few minutes remembering uh, the freedom that we have and how it was obtained. But go to Psalm 146. Psalm 146. Again, I rarely uh, uh, speak from a strict Old Testament passage unless I'm talking about prophecy. But this morning, this particular passage, it just, it just grabbed my attention, and uh, we want to spend some time in it. Psalm 146, we'll read the 10 verses. The Bible says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. His spirit departs, he returns to his earth, and that very day his plans perish. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives what? Freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widow. By the way of the wicked, he turns upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Father, I pray now that you would uh, speak to our hearts as we remember for a few moments the things that have gone before us so that we can have the freedom we enjoy today. Thank you, Father, that uh, we live in this country where even though things may not be perfect, some things are not what uh, we as conservative Christians might enjoy, yet, Father, you still allow us the privilege of telling other people the greatest news ever given to mankind, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So, Father, help us to remember that today. Help us to remember the sacrifices that so, so many soldiers have made over the years. And Lord, most of all, at the end of our service, as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, Father, help us to fall in love with him again this morning, to love him, to honor him, to serve him, as we wait for that time when our citizenship will be replaced from this earth to a place at home in heaven. Father, we rejoice for that day. Bless now and do what only you can do, revive the saved and save the lost. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, we went through Psalm 146, and uh, we're going to go right into a little bit of our memorial time. And uh, I'm going to give us a little bit of a background about Memorial Day. Now you say, well, what does that have to do with, the, with uh, uh, Christianity? Well, uh, there is a nexus because of the memorial, again, why do we care about Memorial Day as a church? Well, folks, if we didn't have folks that went, fought, and died, and sacrificed their lives, and uh, many that are, uh, of course, in the military today that are uh, there protecting our freedoms, uh, we may not be able to have a church like we have today. We may not be able to walk into a church like we can today. So, if you will, I'm going to just uh, go through a, a little segment here and uh, go through some of the freedoms that we have. It was stated by James A. Garfield, we do not know one promise these men made, one pledge they gave, one word they spoke, but we do know they summed up and perfected 
by one supreme act the highest virtues of men and citizens for love of country they accepted death and thus resolved all doubts and made immortal their patriotism and their virtue uh, spoken by james garfield 1868 at arlington national cemetery so just a little bit of uh, uh, again on our patriotic section this morning originally uh, memorial day was called decoration day from the early tradition of decorating graves with flowers recent flags memorial day is a day for remembrance of those who have died in service to our country it was first widely observed on may 30th 1868 to commemorate the sacrifice of civil war soldiers by proclamation of general john a logan of the grand army of the republic an organization of former former union sales sailors and soldiers during the first national commemoration, former Union General and sitting Ohio Congressman James Garfield made a speech at Arlington National Cemetery, after which 5,000 participants helped to decorate the graves of the more than 20,000 Union and Confederate soldiers who were buried there. This national event galvanized efforts to honor and remember fallen soldiers that began with local observances at burial grounds in several towns throughout the United States Following the end of the Civil War, such as the May 1st, 1865 gathering in Charleston, South Carolina, organized by freed slaves to pay tribute and give proper burial to Union troops. In 1873, New York was the first state to designate Memorial Day as a legal holiday. By the late 1800s, many more cities and communities observed Memorial Day, and several states had declared it a legal holiday. After World War I, it became an occasion for honoring those who died in all of America's wars and was then more widely established as a national holiday throughout the United States. In 1971, Congress passed the Uniform Monday Holiday Act and established that Memorial Day, which we're celebrating today or commemorating today, was to be commemorated on the last Monday of May, uh, which will be uh, tomorrow. Several southern states, however, officially commemorate an additional separate day for honoring the Confederate war dead, sometimes referred to as a Confederate Memorial Day. Memorial Day is commemorated at Arlington National Cemetery each year with a ceremony in which a small American flag is placed on each grave. Traditionally, the president or vice president lays a wreath at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. About 5,000 people attend the ceremony annually. If you go to Washington, D.C., and I've had the privilege of being there multiple times, uh, especially when, and again, uh, this isn't about me, but when I was at the FBI National Academy, uh, we'd spend a lot of time in Washington, D.C. on the weekends and go to these different sites. And it's a tremendous, it's, it's an awe-inspiring uh, remembrance of what took place for the freedom that we have. So as you traverse the, the grounds, if you will, and you go to uh, the various memorials, to remember uh, what the soldiers have done for us in the past. I love this statement that freedom is not free. It's costly. It cost 1.1 million soldiers their lives for the freedom that me and you enjoy today from the various wars that have existed uh, since we became a country. Um, my clicker is not kicking in, so next please. All right. Our religious freedom, which of course is the one thing that uh, we are keyed in on, is this great statement. All gave some, some gave all. Now, of course, that's speaking of the military. 
the sacrifice that uh, the soldiers, the ladies and men that went out and fought for our freedom, fought for America, all gave some. The families gave. Those of you that have young people that are uh, in the military now, it's a sacrifice that the entire family makes in order for us to have uh, uh, the freedom that we currently have. So everybody had to give some, and some literally gave all when their lives were taken. Honoring their sacrifice, is it appropriate? Well, we're going to see a little bit more during the Sunday school hour than now about the importance that God put on remembering, on having appropriate memorials. And it is proper and right for us as American citizens. And uh, you say, is this all about America? No, it's not. It's a great deal of it. You say, well, uh, are, are we only concerned about America as God's people? And the answer is absolutely not. For us that live here, we're thankful and we rejoice in it. We send missionaries, as many churches do all across the world, to reach folks with the gospel. So every country is important. But we happen to live here in America, and uh, we're thankful for uh, that freedom that we still have based on the sacrifices of so many individuals. Freedom is not free. The Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, individual that, uh, whose body was recovered, placed in that particular tomb, no one knows who it is. It represents every single person whose life was given in service to uh, the country for freedom and it's, uh, it is a big deal, and it's important to remember those, even though we may not know their names. As you look across Arlington Cemetery and other various uh, places where thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of veterans have given their lives so that we can have what me and you have today. When you look at the monuments in Washington and you go to them, and they're, they really are. They're marvelous if you've never been to them, and it, and it really is a, a wonderful, wonderful thing to be able to see these. This is the Jefferson Monument. They have a big picture or a big uh, statue of Jefferson inside, and it's a great remembrance of these presidents, these men who have given their lives. On this particular picture, you can see multiple uh, of the Capitol. You can see uh, various parts of Washington, D.C., the reflecting pond. All these things are a memorial to those who have fought and who have sacrificed and given literally their lives for freedom. On this wall, the Vietnam Memorial, which many of you are familiar with, uh, the Vietnam War, of course, many, many of our uh, friends, loved ones, parents, grandparents, uh, for some, whose names are inscribed on these walls, are remembered for uh, uh, the war that they did. Uh, we often hear uh, when soldiers come back from war or from a difficult time and they're not always treated respectfully and with kindness, and I say, listen, folks, they, they answered the call of, of the United States. They went out to fight for freedom or other people's freedom, quite frankly, and all these people are to be honored and respected for what they have given. Well, as we think about that, let's transition now into Psalm 146. And uh, again, uh, to all the veterans that are here, in fact, uh, I know it's not Veterans Day, uh, and fortunately you are here with us. With every single person here who's been in the military, I, I, I mean this sincerely and from the bottom of my heart, uh, we do want to thank you and honor you. If you would please stand right now. All the veterans, I know there's some in here, please stand up. There we go. I know there's more. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. See, uh, this around the country, and uh, no matter where you go, people will have veterans stand up. I take it very seriously. It's not a matter of a formality. It's not a matter of, well, it's the right thing to do. No, it's a sincere thank you to these people. Folks, I would not be standing here today. You wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for folks like just stood up that have fought for our freedom. And then it's so important to remember these folks and thank them. Uh, I look at Kevin uh, Schmidt, his dad, Robin. As, uh, I just got to remember him for a moment. He just did his funeral here uh, not that long ago, a few short weeks ago. Robin was, uh, was a Marine, and uh, I, I know that meant a lot to him in, this, in serving the country. And every single one of you that's been in the military, every single one of you that has family in the military, you understand there's a, it's just a, and rightly so, it's a badge of honor to have gone out and to fought uh, for people that you love and care about. So thank you so much uh, to all you that have done that, and uh, uh, it's just a wonderful thing. Well, this morning, in the minutes we have left, we're going to examine the biblical path of sacrifice to your, and I want you to pay attention to this next word, available freedom that God memorialized in the Scriptures. You see, many folks, they have available the freedom that God provides through what He's done, but there's many people that reject that available freedom. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Now, again, in about... 20 minutes or so, we're going to take communion together. As we spend this time together thinking through what God has done, who God is, and again, we'll we'll, uh, center on the sacrifice of Christ in a few moments, I want you to please try. Take take all the things, all the things that will be happening this weekend, all the things that are uh, causing uh, your mind to be overtaken, if you will, and let's really try hard to discipline ourselves this morning to center in on who the Lord is, what he's done for us. We're looking at an Old Testament passage again. We're looking at uh, uh, the Jewish people again. But every single thing that we're looking at here definitely has transference to you and me as God's people. So you do have the outline in uh, uh, your uh, bulletin if you're interested in following along and want to take a few notes and so forth. So praise belongs to God alone. So who is the legitimate person to praise? Well, the Bible says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all my soul. I'm going to ask you to do something. I normally don't do this, but uh, I'd like us to read those, uh, those three phrases together. Can we do it together? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, my goodness. It's just wonderful. When you, when you think about who God is, uh, his majesty, his holiness, his, his wondrousness, the things that he's provided for us. As we go back to uh, verses we love to quote, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And what can we say to that? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Every time you uh, walk into a school, every time you go to work and pick up a paycheck, Every time uh, those that are are retired, you go to the mailbox or you go to your bank account and there's money in the bank and uh, uh, the goodness that God has by supplying for our needs. Every time uh, you get up in the morning and you're not sick, it's a time to say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. Every single thing that we do, every good blessing that we have, all good blessings come from who? 
well, from God himself. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. It's the legitimate person to praise. How about the lifelong practice of praise? Verse 2, while I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. What does human nature love to do? Do we love to sing praises or do something else? Human nature loves to do what? complain and to groan and oh you don't know what I'm going through and all of the things that I have to deal with I'm going to pick on our good friends the Jewish people and by the way I love the Jewish folks I worked with friends of Israel for several years I uh, do and once uh, the pandemic is declared clean we're going to get back to Israel and take some trips there I love the Jewish people I love Israel But you remember what the Jewish people did when they were leaving Egypt? They got out into the wilderness. Short time. Only a few weeks they've been. uh, God does a mighty deliverance. He takes uh, all of the, the folks that were the Hebrew children that were captive in Egypt, pulls them out, opens up the Red Sea. I mean, can you imagine being there? You're 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 coming out of Egypt, you're coming out of bondage. You're standing in front of the Red Sea. You see the uh, Pharaoh's army coming up behind you. And what's the first thing you're thinking? We're going to die, right? We're going to be taken back captive. And all of a sudden, you're looking forward, and what happens? God takes the Red Sea and opens it up completely. And the Bible says that the people walked across the Red Sea on what? Dry ground. And they walk across, and uh, oh, here they come. Uh, God had uh, uh, had basically stopped their progression of the army, and all of a sudden, the, the last person gets across the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, uh, who comes after him? Well, the army comes after him. The soldiers come after him. Uh, the anti-Hebrew government, if you will, is coming after him. And they get into the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, God says, yeah, just keep on coming. Yeah, it's good. Killed. Every single one of them, God took them out. Why? Because he was protecting his people. And the people, I'm, I mean, you can just imagine. Did you see that? That was amazing. Wow. And, and, and free at last. <laughs> and, and they started heading down into the wilderness. A few short days later, Moses goes up onto Mount Sinai. The people begin to murmur and complain. You brought us out here to kill us, didn't you, Moses? No, we came out here because God delivered you. You see how easy it is to forget? And it's like, well, man, my life's been tough. I've gone through some tough times. And it's so easy to get into a negative, complacent, status quo mindset and to start complaining. Because that, by the way, is what the old sinful human nature wants to do. And God says, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. All those things that you're upset about today, while I live, I will praise the Lord. All those things that happened in your life that you wish wouldn't have happened, God says, while I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Who was a chief psalmist? A guy named David. How did his life go? Was it all roses and rose-colored glasses and life is good. What did David spend most of his uh, life doing when King Saul was around? Running for his life. 
and yet they say, I, will, I, I, I don't care how bad my circumstances are because I serve the living God. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of how tough, regardless of how bad you may feel on a particular day, no matter how bad things might have gone at work, school, or at home, God says what? I will praise the Lord. Next, please. Well, let's go to the second point. Trust belongs to God alone. Go back one, please. There we go. Psalm 146.3. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in, and I underlined and bolded the word, a. Because when we talk about the Son of Man, who could the Son of Man, who would we be talking about? We'd be talking about the Lord Jesus. Well, what God is saying here, he's like, don't put your trust in princes, nor in a Son of Man, in other words, in a human being in whom there is no help. Now, let's get down to what is being stated here. God is sovereign. You say, what does sovereign mean? It means God controls everything. He's over everything. Now you say, well, wait a minute. How come there's so much evil and problems and difficulties in the world? Not just in America, but in the world. Well, there's a very good answer to that. And you probably want to mark this one down if it's not a familiar verse to you. 2 Corinthians, not Chronicles, but Corinthians in the New Testament, chapter 4 and verse 4. This is a, a, an amazing verse. And you know what it says? That Satan is a God, small g, of this world. You say, oh, wait a minute. You mean God basically is allowing Satan to do his thing on this earth? Yes. But you know why? Why is he doing that? Why does God allow Satan the latitude that he's given to him? Because Satan, unbeknownst to him, is doing exactly what God wants him to. You see, all the things that are on this earth. By the way, when we talk about, and, and we'll talk prophecy for two seconds here. When you go to Revelation chapter 6 through 19, and you look at the 28 different horrible judgments that are going to take place on this earth, and God's going to allow that to happen. He predicted it's going to happen. He prophesied it's going to happen. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Well, if you watch Josh on TV, which you can do in about two months, uh, we'll give you the answer to that but we'll give him a sneak preview. Here's the answer. Isaiah chapter 9, which you all know, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a son, Jesus Christ is given. Unto us a child is born is given. Unto us a son is given. Did Jesus Christ give his life? Does that happen? Okay, I guess we've got to go preach the gospel because I'm not getting a response. Did Jesus Christ give his life? Yes. Hey, thank you. There we go. Man, he almost got me out of caveat there. And uh, of course he did. For unto us, son is born, unto us a son is given. Done. You say, wait a minute, what do you mean done? Now there's over a 2,000 year plus gap. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And we go through all the different things and it tells us in the next verse, the government will be on his Jesus Christ's shoulders. Uh, by the way, is Jesus Christ ruling and reigning on this earth right now? Be careful. No, he's not. If you think Jesus Christ is here and the millennial kingdom is in place, something's wrong in Scripture, right? Uh, we're not living in a millennium. We're not living under great conditions for God's people right now. But it's going to happen. 
Why is God going to allow seven years of horrible tribulation? Because uh, after Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, it talks about Jesus Christ coming back to set up his kingdom here on earth. Why are all these bad things happening? Why will all the bad things happen during the tribulation period? It's to prepare people to make a decision to either accept or reject Christ. That's it. You see, every single person around Union Grove, Wisconsin, every single person in Milwaukee County, Kenosha County, Racine County, and all across Wisconsin, all across the United States, all across the world, have to make a decision. And if we put our, as Psalm 146.3 says, if we put our trust in people, you're going to fail. Just absolutely will. You see, every time when I get up in the morning, I have to go talk to a boss or a teacher or my mom or my dad or whoever it might be that has authority in your life. And God says, listen, yeah, respect them. Treat them with respect. But you better remember who's the boss. I got to do this. Sorry, Trevor, I got to tell this little story one more time. And I've told it before. Some of you remember it. Trevor was about five or six years old. A uh, little, little tyke. Smart as a whoop. I'm trying to give you a good side now. <laughs> he didn't look like his dad, handsome. <laughs> Good-looking boy. Loved him to death. Still do. He's sitting right here, so I'm going to embarrass him. Sorry. But uh, this little guy, uh, uh, I, I, I told him to do something. And this was rare. I mean, it truly was. He really was a good kid. Anyway, and uh, I said, listen, Trevor, I need you to do whatever it was. And I don't remember what it was. He did one of these numbers and looked up at me. And he said, you're not my boss. Jesus is. <laughs> and if you'll recall, I kind of, because I, <laughs> I was so taken back by it, I started laughing, which was not a real fatherly proper thing to do at that point. And after I got done with uh, getting over my shock and awe, I said, listen, little buddy. I said, do you see Jesus standing here? Well, Jesus is away. <laughs> I'm your boss. Understand? Yeah. <laughs> and he's been my, just perfect ever since. But folks, that's what God's saying here. Literally, it's a kind of a silly illustration, but it's true. And God says, listen, don't, don't, don't look to people. Uh, uh, seriously, look to God alone. The failing temporal nature of humanity, verse 4, his spirit departs, he returns to his earth, and that very day his plans perish. You see, uh, every single one of us, and, and I think about this often, and I'm going to share my inner thoughts for a moment. Every time, uh, uh, and, and my parents have both, of course, passed away, one, three, my dad, three-plus years ago, my mom, almost 16 years ago. Of course, all my grandparents have gone on. I've done dozens of funerals. I've attended I don't know how many over the years. And every time I, uh, uh, that happens, it's like my mind goes to how much I love them, how important they were, the things that they did while they were on earth. And then if, as I'm driving... Here's the thought that comes to my mind. What has changed since that person has left this earth? The trees still come up every summer. The leaves fall every single fall. 
people still scurrying about. And in one sense, it brings to reality that, yes, life is important while you're here, and you have value and tremendous value, and God uses you. But all of a sudden, when the life ends, it passes on to someone else. Those of you that just lost loved ones, and many of you, we've done way too many funerals over the last two years. But God decided to take these folks home. But he left you. And he loves you. And he cares about you. And he's given you the privilege, if you will, to take the place of those who have gone on before you. We don't put our faith and trust in man. Yes, man's life is short. It will perish. And God says, remember who I am at all times. Freedom comes from God alone, the satisfying freedom for God's people. Verse 5, happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Now, of course, again, what written of a Jewish flavor. By the way, uh, what was Jacob's name changed to? Israel. All right, so when we're looking at Jacob, we're looking at the father of Israel, quite frankly, uh, the father of the Jewish people. Twelve different tribes that uh, came out of uh, Jacob or out of Israel. And God says, listen, Jacob understood who I was. Jacob put his faith and trust in me. And just like Jacob, just like Jacob of old, just like Jacob the patriarch, Israel, uh, of the Jewish people, so God's people need to remember this as well. Who is your God? Are you in love with him this morning? Now, if you're here and you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt when you die, you go to heaven. He ought to be number one. If I were to ask you to take out a piece of paper, every single one of you, and say, listen, in order, put down who is the most important person in your life. And you'd start at the top, and I would guess probably 90% of everyone here would put God in the first position. Underneath God might be, uh, and then it'll switch based on uh, your family relationships, who's alive and so forth. But I can almost guarantee that 90% of every person here uh, would put God as number one. And then I look down, and and let me challenge you this. Who's number two? And you just think about who's who's, uh, the most important person in your life right now outside of God himself. Now, how did that person get that position? Do you spend time with them? Do you talk with them? If uh, maybe they live at a distance, do you text them? Do you give them phone calls? Do you uh, somehow try to keep that relationship going? Do you get excited when they call you or you see them in person? Do you want to communicate with them and build that relationship? And, of course, everyone, I mean, well, of course. And I say, okay, who's number one on your list? Well, God. And here's the challenge. Did you call on God this week? Say, well, I said a prayer at mealtime. Is that what we do as uh, the most important person in your life? If you uh, uh, were having a meal with them, would you just say, uh, uh, hi, good to see you this morning, thanks for being here, and go to eat and never talk to them again the rest of the time? You see what I'm saying? How much time do we invest in the relationship with God? And God says, listen, uh, 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 is your hope in God? Is your relationship with God? Will you praise God every single moment of every single day and thank him for who he is? And that's exactly what he is saying here. Well, how about the specific blessings for God's people? Now, he goes through just a a wonderful list of things. Verse 6, God himself, who did what? He made heaven and earth. 
Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says, All things were created by Jesus Christ. Every single thing that you see when you walk outside, Romans 1 tells us when you see nature itself, you should automatically think about the Creator. In fact, in Romans 1, God says, I hold all men guilty, all women guilty who reject me because if you look outside, nature itself should tell you there's a God. And if you don't progress and you don't seek out God and you push God out of your life, that's a problem. He made heaven and earth. He made the sea and all that is in them. Who keeps what? Truth forever. Jesus Christ stood before Pilate. Pilate hears about who Jesus is. He hears about the condemnation against him. He hears about the insurrection he supposedly had. He hears about claiming to be the king. And Pilate looks at Jesus and he wonders, what does he ask him? What's truth? What is truth? Folks, every single one of you are asking that every single day that when you turn the news on. What is truth? Uh, uh, The things that are going on in America today, what is truth? Is there a truth? And God says, oh yeah, there's truth. It's found in those 66 books that are inside the Bible that you hold in your hands today. He executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. Anybody here hungry today? If you are, you see me afterwards, we'll go down to the pantry, we'll get you something to eat. There's nobody here that should be hungry. Folks, America's real good at uh, feeding folks. But God says, I'm much better at it. And it's God who makes sure that we have food to eat. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. Now, we're going to stay on that for just a second here. God gives freedom. Do you have freedom this morning? Do you have freedom from the sin that so easily binds us up and holds us? Have you experienced the freedom by coming to Jesus Christ and accepted what he's given to us? In just a moment, we're going to have communion together. God makes it very clear in 1 Corinthians 11, which we'll read in just a moment, about the, it's a very sacred moment, if you will. As we come together and we take the elements of the bread and the juice to remember what Jesus did. Did I say remember what Jesus did. Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? If you were to die right now, are you going to a better place? You say, what's a better place? There's only one better place, and that's heaven. Very quickly, here's the gospel. If you're here this morning, whether it's your first time or you've been here many times, think about this. This is God's plan of how to go to heaven. Number one, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. We're all sinners. We can't get away from it. We were all born in sin. You say, why? How come I was born a sinner? Because according to the gospel, according to the, the scriptures, when Adam sinned, death passed upon all men through Adam. Another reason why Jesus Christ had to be virgin born, Isaiah 7, 14, because if Jesus had the sin nature, not a single one of us could be saved from our sin. Bible unfortunately makes it clear that the penalty of sin is physical and spiritual death. We've talked about the 1.1 million soldiers that have died and given their lives. Every single person, nobody gets out of here alive except for a group of Christians during what's known as the rapture, but that's another message. Every single one of us will face death. And God says that's physical death, but you know what's far worse than physical death? 
spiritual death. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8 makes it very clear that there is a second death. What is the second death? It's eternal separation from God. In fact, he calls it the lake of fire. Most people in church, they're familiar with a four-letter word called hell, spoken about many times in the scriptures. But what is hell? Well, God makes it very clear what hell is. Revelation 21, 8, it's the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You see, you may be here this morning, you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ. If you died right now, you're wondering, where would I go? And God says, listen, there is a place that those without Jesus Christ will go. It's called the lake of fire, which burns forever. That's the second death, but that death can be avoided. You say, how can I avoid it? Romans chapter 5 says, Jesus Christ paid the complete price to remove your sin. But God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. He died for you. Why did he do that? Why would God himself come down from heaven, die on a cross for our sins? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he wants to take you home someday. And you say, well, I've heard those things ever since I've been in Sunday school, since I was a wee little child, or my mom or my grandma used to tell me about that. How do I know I can go to heaven? All right, so here it is. Here it is. Most of you know this here that are part of the church, but maybe you don't remember or don't see the, the absolute promise God has for his people. There's a free gift that God wants to give you this morning. Just as you saw, and I, and I like that we give out those, those books, and uh, what, what, how much do the folks have to pay to get that book? Just reach out and take it, right? It's a free gift. And God says, for by grace, God's free and merited gift are you saved, saved from sin, saved from the penalty of sin. For by grace are you saved. It's what? Through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In just a moment, we're going to take communion. Here's the caution. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, I wouldn't take the cup today. You say, why? Because it dishonors God. We're going to skip up to, let's go up to uh, uh, what Christ has done for us. And we're going to go to our communion time. There we go. If you have your Bibles or you can read along as uh, we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Bible says, uh, the Apostle Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this. In remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I'm going to ask the, the deacons, please, if uh, you have uh, uh, trays to come forward once again. Now, if you didn't get a, a cup, please raise your hand uh, the, as they come forward. They'll be, they're in the back right now. If uh, anyone here, and then I'll get to the overflow in a moment, if you did not uh, receive a communion cup and would like to share with us, please take one. have a few up front. Thank you, men. Why do we take communion? It's Memorial Day tomorrow. We remember 
what soldiers have done for us. We remember the freedom that we have. The Lord makes it very clear that there's someone that we need to put number one and remember him and what he's done for us. Anyone else need cups, please? Thank you, man. The Bible is very clear about what communion is. It's for what we call believers in Jesus Christ only. There are churches all over the world that falsely teach that by taking, if you will, the sacrament or communion that it's going to take you to heaven. No such thing. No such thing. It's uh, improper doctrine. What does God say communion is? It's to remember who Jesus is for believers. It's a commemoration of who Christ is. In just a moment when we, uh, uh, and by the way, if you have uh, rough fingers, you might want to start working. There's three different or two different seals. There's uh, one with the bread, one with the cup in just a moment. So you might want to start working on that. When we take the bread, what are we doing? We're remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made when his flesh was ripped, when his body was pounded as he prepared to give his life and pay for the ultimate sin of all people. When we open up and take the the juice together, what do we remember? We remember the blood that Jesus shed. When the 39 cat of nine tails was ripping his literal flesh to shreds as he was bleeding out at that point, God preserved him and allowed him to get to the cross where they smashed before that smash a crown of thorns on his head and blood drips out. And Jesus shed his blood. And God wants us to remember that. Why? Not simply because of the horrific, horrible death that he went through, which is important. What, they, what, what are we really remembering here? It's his death. We remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. Just like many of you, you know soldiers and uh, uh, males and females that have given their lives to protect our country, and we remember them tomorrow specifically. There'll be many ceremonies across the country to remember what they did, and rightly so. And Jesus said, listen, every single time you get together and you take the bread and you take the cup together, I want you to remember what I did for you. And what did David say? I praise the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm thanking the Lord for what he did for me. And folks, that's what we're doing right now. We're thanking the Lord for what he did for us. But God says, let a man or woman examine themselves. Just a few minutes ago, I gave what was called the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're sinners. We all deserve hell. That's what we deserve. But God says, listen, I'm going to provide a way so you don't have to go there. You see, not only did Jesus die on that cross, what happened three days later after he was buried? He rose again, the first resurrection. Have you placed your faith and trust in Christ? If you're here this morning and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're going to heaven. We remember together what Jesus did. If you walked in here this morning and said, Rich, I, I honestly, I had no clue if I died, I'd go to heaven when I walked in here this morning. Well, you know what? Before we take communion, you can get right with God this very moment. You say, how do I do that? It's those four simple things. Do you understand you're a sinner? He said, absolutely I do. Because you sinned, if you got what you deserved, you know what the penalty would be. Say, yeah, I'd have to go and pay forever in an awful place called hell, lake of fire for eternity. That's right. But what did Jesus do for you because he loves you? He comes down, he goes to that cross. He gave his, nobody took his life, he gave his life. You can't kill him. 
but Jesus willingly gave his life. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again to prove who he is. Now, you say, do you believe that? Honestly, do you believe that? The Bible makes it very clear. You say, yeah, I, I get it. I, I get it. Well, then let's go to the final thing. Right now, right there where you are, how about accepting that free gift of eternal life and place your faith and trust in Christ, and then you can take communion with us and rejoice.